We were designed for deep and intimate connection, but far too often we find ourselves on relational autopilot. You want the marriage you dreamed of, not the marriage that you're settling for. Each week we share personal and professional stories, giving you tools and guidance, empowering you to restore and reimagine the marriage you always wanted. Welcome to the Thrive Marriage Podcast. So here we are at the end of a month talking about transitions, and Tracy, you and Mark have talked about some of the transitions you have faced. We've talked with David Robbins Mm -hmm. about some of the things he's gone through. Beth and I have talked about Mm -hmm. things, and so we want to kind of bring back into a place of, like, what does it mean for us, uh, Mm -hmm. and what are we inviting people into? So I loved our whole time with David Robbins, but what I noticed about uh, where you and Beth went, and a little bit about where Mark and I went was this idea of who we were in various Mm -hmm. locations. And that's not exactly where David went, but I think it stood out to me because it felt important to me in the interview that Mark and I did to be able to say out loud something that I know is true about me, which is who I was when Mark and I took that first trip to New York with Katie is so vastly different from who I am today or who my girls know me to be today. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we have these ideas that we are a static person, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. we are the same person today as we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like the places that we live are kind of like milestone markers mm-hmm. of who we are at that stage. And, I mean, I think for me, when Beth and I were talking, it was like, what was required of me in that stage? What Mm. happened, what, not only what happened in our lives and what kids did we have and all that, but what, what was it for me that needed to be present to the marriage, to the situation, to the, to the man that I was at that point? uh, And what was required of me Mm. there? And I I love how Beth put it like, and who did I become Mm -hmm. as a result of what I experienced there. Mm-hmm. And when we're in these transitions, it, it feels like the most important thing is we're in one place and we move to another place. So we have this job and we move to another job. But I do agree. Like it is important for us to go back and say, who was I? As I listen to you say that, and you talk about uh, who was I required to be? I, what, what, emerged for me was who was I released to be Mm. and Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's true for every couple I so I cannot say that because I I could tell you it would be easier for me to land in that space of who was I required to be but I know in the context of my marriage to Mark there's more beauty and more glory Mm -hmm. when I name who was I released to be. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean by released? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I've been writing recently for Red Tent Living about uh, some thoughts that I've had around um, gender equality. And as I've been writing that, I, I found myself writing about uh, what was true in my life when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was confirmed. Mm. And, um, and what I remember about that time and, and about the women that surrounded me 
And there was a lot of tightness about that. Hmm. And, and then I also wrote about, it was about a decade later when Mark was in seminary and he uh, invited me to this conversation one night about what he was learning that was tied very much to study in Genesis where what was named is that the, um, the uh, charge to rule and subdue was given to Adam and Eve both. It was about co-dominion. Mm-hmm. And that felt so important to me at that time because it felt like something that I've never heard before got released. Mm. And and Mark Mark's words and his energy subsequent to that released that for me. This idea that um, something that I had felt was profoundly wrong about me as a woman and my leadership and my hunger to manage and grow and just all of what's tied to my Enneagram eight mm-hmm. that was not okay in a Christian context in that moment was like, Oh wait, what if I was actually designed by God for co-dominion and to rule and subdue? Right. So when I think about what's been released, um, I, I would not be the woman that I am today if I hadn't married Mark. So I, I don't know who I would be. I mean, maybe I would have married someone else. Maybe I wouldn't have. I, I don't know that. But what I know for me is that I can clearly chart where my husband's energy has been permission giving and yes and more and go and I believe in you. Mm. And so releasing yeah. and, and and like we're super broken. So I could talk about that also. Right. It's not just like it's all that because there there are some other stuff that's been super painful. But but the overarching narrative, if I was to talk about who Mark has been in my life, Mar- Mark has been the voice that has been the most releasing of all of who I think God designed mm-hmm. me to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we come to those places when we recognize those transition marks, right? Those tra- transition mm-hmm. mo- moments, because I feel like it's this chapter ending, chapter beginning, and and it's this almost this invitation to reflect on what was released and what might still be available to be released in the next chapter. Um, I think about when Beth and I moved to Colorado and we had been overseas. We'd come to Seattle and both did grad school and we were coming to Fort Collins and we had we had nothing. Like we had no relationships. We had no friends. We had... Um, a, you know, the, the closest it came to a friend was a student hmm. that we knew from when we were on staff with crew back in Michigan, who also just happened to live like 45 minutes away. And he offered to help me unload the U-Haul. Like that was the extent of the relationships that we had here. And I think about like what in the last decade of us being here, like what has been released? I really love that word. Like what has been released from us, what has been released in our family, um, and and what has been required. So been as required. we're sitting here, yeah. because I'm here with you in Fort Collins, I sat at the same table with your wife this morning. Yeah. And and I feel like part of what she was naming in our conversation today was really about what's been required of you. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't easy. You've had to do some really hard things. Yeah. 
And I don't think that those have to be gender specific. You know, there are seasons where women have to do hard things. There are seasons where men have to do hard things. But you named for yourself what's been required for you. Right. And I, and I will own like that is a big part of my story mm-hmm. and uh, some language that has actually come from some of my own reflection and story work of like what is required of me mm-hmm. is really some of the family of origin narrative because so much was required of me. And I engage new and different places in the sense of I, I don't quite know as much maybe of the release as the requirement. So does that feel... Is that like the default? Is it easier for you to talk about what's been required? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think your invitation into the word release is mm-hmm. what is released in me. And I think that's a new space. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a a good word for me to reflect on my story of those transitions and say what was released. And almost not released in my mind feels a little bit like previously it was caged and now it is free. But there's something in me that is almost like um, what was previously unknown and Mm -hmm. now has come to bear. Like now has been now the goodness of who I am can can be part of who I am in the world today versus just in a, you know, that reserved space. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I wonder about couples who are listening to this. You know, there's something in me that when I think about transitions, transitions are just plain hard, regardless of what's going on, what kind of transition it is, moving from one place to another, because it requires some level of change. And change is always really hard. It just is. And in the words that we're using today, whether requirement or release, um, Change can be hard in the sense that we don't believe we can do the new thing or change can be required because we, we, um, we don't believe we actually, uh, have that kind of glory to bear that there's something actually more to who I am, more to who you are, more to who we are as a couple that, uh, that we can actually bring into the world in this new space. Well, for sure, because who grew up with that kind of language? Yeah, none of us. None of us. Right. And I wish that somebody had ever asked me 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, 15 years ago, if anybody had said, hey, Tracy, who are you today that you wouldn't have been if you hadn't married Mark? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody ever asked me that. I, it, it feels like I know I know there's a point in time for me in the story work that Mark and I were doing together that that came to me. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody ever asked me that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I have so much gratitude today mm-hmm. that, that exceeds Mark and I have disappointment and um betrayal and hurt like that's all part of our story but but i would tell you today like the gratitude that i have for who i am because i married mark and i i have no doubts i'm sure like these things would not have come to be in me Mm -hmm. if i hadn't married mark Mm -hmm. so 
I think that's such a beautiful question maybe too. So what's been released, what's been required, but like, who are you today that you wouldn't have been? And like you just said, like who has language about that Nobody. around that when we're doing these kinds of transitions from job to job or Mm-mm. zero kids to one kid or one kid to two kids or moving place to place or, you know, the death of a parent. Like I just, these transitions that we go through in our marriages, that's a really important question to ask and actually a hopeful question and a very sweet and intimate mm-hmm. invitational question to ask of like, I, I am actually becoming who I was designed to be because I'm in a relationship with you. Which if we, if we, if, if you are a person of faith and you believe that God is intricately and intimately invested in you, then of course, yeah. right? From the moment you say, I do, that becomes God's will. Yeah. And and you have charted a course towards who it is that you were meant to be because he's superintending it. Right. I mean, those are also churchy. But but I, I really do believe all of that. Yeah. Well, and in God's will, you know, it, again, that's a churchy language, right? Right. But God's will is for us to become more fully who he designed us to be. And by being in a relationship with our spouse, that is one of the primary ways for him to invite us into becoming more of who we are. And becoming more of who we are is all about becoming more human. Right. And I think that's another thing that I know I didn't hear in the church. The message I felt like I got was somehow I'm supposed to be becoming less human and more sacred or more holy or more <laughs> right. something, 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 something else. else. And thank God something intersected my life that disrupted that because I think truly we're here to become more human. And I don't know if there's any space that invites you to be more human than your marriage. Well, and I think too, Tracy, as we are in this, like, this month of talking about transitions like this is this is a significant season mm-hmm. not just of like marriages but of the world and transitions that we're just we're just on the precipice of transitions every day what's going to happen what's going to ha- you know well will it be true un- tomorrow unknown true today? like all the unknowns unknown that- we're not even on the other side of it yeah and so i you know, I know that conversations at our house are complex right now. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you you sat here at this very table with our youngest daughter mm-hmm. for dinner tonight. And some of the things that she was both dreaming about and fearing Mm-hmm. Uh, with regard to being a freshman in high school and what it looks like and the transitions she's going through um, and just all the th- all the transitions that all of us are going through and all the unknowns. Um, and I think it's easy to kind of say, okay, the big transitions like moving or job loss and all the things I've already named, but the daily transitions, the moment-by-moment transitions, the things that we are that are true today that weren't true tomorrow and the news that is true today that wasn't true tomorrow. Um, I do think it's an invitation. I do think it's an invitation for all of us to 
to pause for a minute, minute and just be like, who am I? And who am I in relation to my spouse? And what does my spouse invite me to be? And what is how can I be invitational to my spouse in the midst of just this 24 hours? Well, can we can we belong? Can we belong? Great question. Can we belong? Because Mark and I were having a conversation in the last two days about one of our daughters who is struggling. Like, do I do school online? Do I do school at home? She's back. Like, and, and we are different people in that space. Can we belong to each other when our perspectives are different in the midst of transition? And I would say, yes, we can, but there's a, a generosity and a trust. And if we're honest, like for many couples, that generosity and trust doesn't exist. Right. And that's heartbreaking to think about that, that, that the belonging in many ways, I feel like the belonging is part of the movement into the transition. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have the belonging, when we're in the midst of something like this, then it's really hard to come to. And so I just hear that, that through the lens of a marriage that feels really, really thin and really, really distant. And that, you know, maybe there's a marriage that is, you know, two ends of the political spectrum or two ends of the mask COVID, you know, perspective or, or whatever, all the reasons to be not belonging to one another um, at this time, my heart just breaks for that couple and the challenges that they face right now. Yeah. And as I, I guess as I listen to that, I think if you don't believe that you are weaker when you don't agree. What would it mean if you if you could believe that there is strength in your difference? Mm. And in that difference to honor the reality that God has put you into relationship. Back to the whole Christianity's God's will thing. Like there is some place where the superintending of God has brought the two of you together and he knows those differences in you and can that actually make you stronger? And they're necessary. Yeah. What if what's needed is both uh, Mark's perspective on why it's important that our girls are in school and my perspective on why it's important to honor why this one needs to be at home. Right. One's not right. One's not wrong. Together, when we, when we can hold that space together, we get to have a more holistic conversation about what, what is true about each of our girls individually and how do we want to take our collective wisdom and decide how to move forward. That feels so much more enriching, Mm -hmm. right? That this belief that there is goodness from both of you, even though you have different opinions, that those, those places, those thoughts bring you to a place of enrichment versus conflict. Mm -hmm. I remember when Beth and I were in Turkey uh, uh, and we were serving in missions and I was, I was done. Like I was done with being there. I was done with what we were doing. I was done with all that. And, um, and there was something in her, in her that was not done. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic tension of what it was like for me to say, I need to go. And she, and she was saying, I need to stay. And that word enriching is what, what I feel like in that story. And I feel like what you're saying, even in the very practical things of like schooling these days in COVID world of, can there be an enriching to that? And, and 
what what did Beth invite me to as I was in as we were in that tension? And what did I invite Beth to mm-hmm. as we were in that tension? And now, you know, 13 years later, 15 years later, when there's tension similar. Oh, it lingers for you guys. It does. It does. And we've come to know, like, I can actually trust that though you might be in a different place, that the tension is not going to destroy. Right. It's actually going to bring us together. Right. And the tension doesn't say that there's something bad at play. Right. It's actually growth at play. Something good. So as we conclude this this month of talking about transition, of talking about these things, uh, what I'm hearing kind of our conversations have led us to is that transitions are an invitation to growth mm-hmm. personally, as well as an invitation to growth in intimacy with our spouse. If we will actually pause long enough to reflect on what, who we have been and your word has been released. My word has been required. Uh, who we have been in the midst of that, and maybe maybe who we would like to be. And if we can set aside judgment. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Marriage Podcast, where each week we're bringing you personal and professional stories to help your relationship. You can learn more about us at restorationcounselingnoco.com or find out more about the Thrive Marriage Lab membership community over in our digital laboratories, restorylabs.com. We open membership up only twice a year, so make sure you join the waitlist to be the first to know. We'll see you same time, same place next week.